good morning bba third year students today we will go to the next chapter that is chapter 23 principles of airport costs principles of airport costs there is a one off missing there so i have written it there you can also write it there principles of airport costs on page 156 okay this is a very easy lesson i'll keep on uh, reading and explaining and continue uh, with the lesson okay uh, the nature the type of costs this chapter basically deals with both the airport costs and airline costs so airport costs are different and airline costs are different okay but there is some commonality between them in the nature of uh, Uh, certain uh, types of uh, costs so first of all it is capital intensive what do you mean understand by capital intensive requires a big amount of capitals so for any airport related activity any um, airport related expansion or improvement in infrastructure or in technology or in uh, e adding space any uh, kind of activity with respect to the airport involves a large amount of funding okay i'll just now explain the now read through the paragraph unlike many service businesses airlines need more than store fronts and telephones to get started so normal business just open up a a small office with a store front and some telephones it keeps going but unlike in the case of airport okay they need an enormous range of expensive equipment and facilities from airplanes to flight simulators to maintenance hangars all these things you can easily understand uh, flight simulators are simulators where in the um, pilots are trained for flying the aircraft then maintenance hangars are uh, workshops where the aircrafts are uh, repaired the defects are rectified okay as a result the airline industry is a capital intensive business requiring large sums of money to operate effectively please underline this sentence airline industry is a capital intensive business require that means requiring a lot of capital to operate because uh, if you touch anything it is costly equipment wise infrastructure wise uh, runway wise uh, building wise or any other uh, facilities wise everything is expensive most equipment is financed through loans or the issuance of stock increasingly airlines are also leasing equipment including equipment they owned previously but sold to someone else and leased back whatever arrangements an airline chooses to pursue its capital needs require consistent profitability okay on the one side you need a lot of funding or financing for functioning and improvement and future development of airports and at the same time airports need to operate on profitable basis without which the airport uh, it will uh, become difficult for the airport to survive or sustain okay so you got this point very clearly capital intensive 
now uh, second point is high cash flow okay because airlines own large fleets of expensive aircraft which depreciate in value over time they typically generate a substantial positive cash flow um, profits plus depreciation cash flow is nothing but profits plus depreciation most airlines use their cash flow to repay debt or acquire new aircraft when profits and cash flow decline an airline's ability to repay debt and acquire new aircraft is jeopardized jeopardized means endangered it becomes uh, difficult or it is in danger it is difficult <coughs> okay so what is high cash flow cash flow is profits plus depreciation the cash generated from operation of uh, flights are used to uh, repay debt or acquire new aircraft both airports and airline get their facilities either equipment uh, airport for the airport the equipment is various types of ground equipment and for airline the equipment is mainly aeroplanes so how do they get these things not entirely uh, on outright purchase but on lease there are short term leases there are long term leases so that you only you don't have to manage a big capital amount but you can manage it with a monthly or yearly uh, lease amount okay now let us go to the third uh, speciality or uh, uh, interesting uh, feature of this airport cost it is highly labor intensive <coughs> what is labor intensive involving a lot of labor have you ever uh, gone through the airports uh, you must have seen a variety of uh, different type of people engaged in various types of work both technical and non technical commercial finance operational security name the area you need to staff the area with lot of personnel so airlines are also labor intensive airports are also labor intensive each major airline employs a virtual army of pilots flight attendants mechanics baggage handlers reservation agents gate agents security personnel cooks cleaners managers accountants lawyers etc computers have enabled airlines to automate many tasks but there is no changing the fact that they are a service business where customers require personal attention so airline industry is a service industry and you cannot afford to ignore your customers you have to give them service and service individual service personalized service to each and every customer otherwise the customer will not come back to you he will go to the competitor or he will go to a different airport so you have to retain your customer you have to earn new customers win new customers and you have to function like a service industry 
okay underline, underline all those things uh, that is a service business where customers require personal attention and more than one third of the revenue generated each day by the airlines go, goes to pay its workforce so this is uh, uh, explaining further explaining how labor intensive the airport and airline industries now here there is some overlapping they are talking about airport airport costs but uh, the lesson deals with airline cost also so you can make the differentiation certain areas uh, uh, refer to the airport work and certain areas about the airline expenditure okay so more than one third of the revenue generated each day by the airlines go to its go to pays workforce so if you earn 100 rupees 33.33 rupee is going for the uh, salary of the workforce okay labor cost per employee are among the highest of any industry because you have highly skilled highly uh, difficult to get kind of uh, people like pilots engineers and uh, other uh, technically qualified people experienced people unlike any other different uh, industry or business airline industry it is very uh, difficult to get such skilled workforce and accordingly you end up paying much more uh, than the other uh, serv uh, service areas are concerned okay then another peculiarity peculiarity or uh, uh, special feature is highly unionized this airline industry in part because of its long history as a regulated industry the airline industry is highly unionized there are uh, very powerful unions pilots unions engineers unions baggage handlers unions commercial staff unions many unions exert lot of pressure on the day-to-day working of the airline or airport this industry okay so you need to have a harmonious relationship with the unions uh, that involves periodic uh, increase in their uh, uh, pay revision in their work uh, working conditions all those things make it a very difficult industry okay then thin profit margins then bottom line result of all this is thin profit margins what are thin profit margins very little profit there is nothing after all the expenditures are met and after in in the face of all the competition from the other uh, competitive uh, uh, airlines and airports the uh, outstanding profit is very 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 little because highly capital intensive secondly highly labor intensive highly unionized all these factors suggest that the expenditure component is very very high and you have to <coughs> run it on very very efficiently without with a very little margins okay the bottom line result of all this is thin profit margins even in the best of times airlines through through the years have earned a net profit between 1 and 2% compared to an average of above 5% for us industry as a whole this is just an example a comparison in the other uh, comparison among other industries as uh, whereas 5% is uh, 
average here it is 1 to 2 percent the example is based on the US industry as a whole okay then a very very important aspect seasonal okay you know what is a season a season when traffic is there that is called a peak season when traffic is light it is called uh, shoulder season and if traffic is very less it is called lean season so uh, the airline business historically has been very seasonal certain seasons there will be no passenger at all when nil pass nil passenger very few passengers okay that was you understand underline the summer months were extremely busy as many people took vacations at that time of the year winter on the other hand was slower with the exception of the holidays so the as i explained in the earlier lessons the traffic or the number of passengers carried by an airline or serviced by an airport because the airport also uh, gets co corresponding revenue from number of passengers so this phenomenon of seasonality uh, affects the airports also as it is affecting the airlines also so during a good season there will be a lot of passengers and during a bad season we can't say good or bad but certain seasons like vacation season you get good passengers good holiday traffic okay uh, and during winter people avoid travel uh, except only they travel only when they get some holidays so these factors influence the nature of travel of passengers okay so the result of such peaks and valleys peaks are the high period valleys are the low period um, they say lean also for valley various terms are used in this it is peaks and valleys in travel patterns was that airline revenues also rose and fell significantly through the course of the year so what happens to the airline revenue it also goes up and down there is no uniform revenue pattern as far as the airlines are concerned so this pattern continues today although it is less pronounced than in the past the growth in the demand for air transportation since deregulation has substantially lessened the valleys the only change in the recent times compared to the olden times is that because of decentralization or deregulation or liberalization the airlines have started functioning better and carrying passengers almost uh, uniformly during all seasons it is only one change this one you can under underline the growth in the demand uh, for air transportation since deregulation has substantially lessened the valleys so we'll stop here and go to the remaining part of the lesson in the next voice clip thank you okay now let's continue with the lesson page go to page 157 where uh, you can see at the top airline costs where the money goes okay this is a very um, clear illustration uh, even though the studies are taken in 1999 even now more or less the factors are the same okay the airline uh, costs have been uh, subdivided into various heads and percentage wise it is being explained okay 
very easy to understand uh, then we will come to the conclusion according to reports filed with the department of transportation in 1999 that is again a us organization airline costs were as follows flying operation essentially any cost associated with the operation of aircraft such as fuel and pilot salaries this is a very major area fuel cost and the pilot salaries because pilots are the highest paid category of workers which how many percentages 27% okay maintenance both parts and labor 13% aircraft and traffic service basically the cost of handling passengers cargo and aircraft on the ground and including such things as the salaries of baggage handlers dispatchers airline gate agents etc is 16% then promotion sales including advertising reservations and travel agent commissions how much it costs 13% probably this is one area where you don't have any travel agents commission now travel agents commissions is very less compared to the olden times okay passenger service mostly in flight service and including such things as food and flight uh, food and flight attendant salaries flight attendants are cabin crew or flight stewards uh, or air hostesses okay they are referred to as cabin crew for the common name for both uh, men and women okay that is one expenditure and food many airlines don't serve food now and they because they are budget carriers okay but that is also a very major area of expenditure then transport related uh, delivery trucks and in flight sales that is 10% okay then administrative 6% then you have depreciation and amortization uh, for equipments and plants 6% labor costs okay when you um, labor costs are common to nearly all of these categories okay as a whole when you look at it that explains the paragraph is there i'll read it when looked at as a whole you can underline from here labor accounts for 35% of the airlines operating expenses and uh, 75% of controllable costs okay fuel is the airline's second largest cost that is 10 to 12% of total expense and travel agents commissions is third about 6% that uh, is no longer uh, correct because now the commissions have come become very very less maybe 1% or 2% uh, to that extent it has been reduced commission costs as per as a percent of total cost have recently been uh, declining okay they themselves have um, included that part as more sales are now made directly to the customer through electronic commerce electronic commerce is what you all call e-commerce okay e-commerce is the through a web web portals of the airlines concerned so many people are resorting to directly book through the or book online through the web portals of different airlines okay so the travel agents commission part is coming down another rapidly rising cost has been airport landing fees and terminal rents okay that is the other part the cost factor at the airport the airport we have um, discussed in the earlier lessons uh, about this landing fees and terminal rents and all that okay 
which what uh, what category does landing fees come under it comes under aeronautical revenue and what about terminal rents they come under uh, non aeronautical revenue so that is the airport part okay so airlines uh, incur uh, the, all these expenditures as uh, explained in this lesson so the highest percentage which is the highest percentage airlines uh, highest percentage of airlines operating expenses as a whole labor labor that is the pay and allowances next highest cost is uh, second law which is the second largest cost fuel okay these are the things you have to remember and keep in mind okay next paragraph break even load factors this is called belf as an acronym as a short term b e l f belf so you already know break even load factors you would have studied in the iata examination uh, how many passengers an aeroplane should carry uh, or a flight should carry on a particular sector a particular uh, origin to destination to make it profitable okay suppose you carry 60% uh, or 70% for each type of aircraft the break even load factor is different on larger planes you have to carry more number of passengers on smaller planes you have to carry less number of passengers and certain uh, number of passengers when you carry only that will achieve break even load factor suppose for example you have 140 seats on an aircraft if you carry probably about 80 to 85 passengers you may break even that means you may just reach a stage where there is no loss no profit that point at which there is no loss no profit is called break even load factor any passenger carried above that particular um, point that is a particular uh, limitation that is 80 seats if you carry 95 seats that 15 passengers is your profit okay now let us uh, read out the explanation given in the text every airline has what is called a break even load factor that is the percentage of the seats the airline has in service that it must sell at a given yield or price level to cover its cost okay underline that sentence uh, it is a very clear explanation break even load factor if you are asked to write a a uh, short note or a write a brief uh, uh, essay or something like that no where you can write it using all these points that is the percentage of the seats break even load factor is a, is expressed in terms of a percentage that is the percentage of the seats the airline has in service that it must sell at a given yield or price level to cover its cost okay suppose you have 140 as i said you the total capacity 140 seats in an aircraft or say 180 seats then suppose you sell all the 180 or all the 170 also at a very very low price then you will not be achieving you will not be reaching this break even load factor that is a load factor which covers its cost of operation load factor which covers its cost of operation what are the cost of operation 
like listed above fuel pilot salary staff salary maintenance all these things go into food and beverages given on board all these are the uh, immediate expenses related to that particular operation if that operation has to be uh, cost efficient or at least the operating cost has to be covered then uh, that particular uh, flight should carry a certain number of passengers at a certain amount of price level or yield level what is a yield yield is what we get from each passenger when we sell a um, flight on different uh, fares for example initial 20 seats we may sell for uh, for example take a sector kozhi uh, code chennai initial uh, 20 seats we may sell at uh, 1800 then next 40 seats we may sell at uh, uh, 2500 then you have next uh, 20 seats you may sell at 3 uh, 3500 then another the last 20 seats you may sell at very high price that is 4000 plus so what you get from the first passengers have given you an average uh, yield of only uh, 1800 whereas the last uh, a uh, bunch of passengers or last bucket of passengers have given the airline the highest revenue and that is known as yield so their yield is much higher than the first bucket of passengers okay so uh, this is also what the uh, how do we define um, break even load factor the uh, number of seats an airline must sell at a given yield or price level to cover its cost okay that is suppose uh, 80 seats are sold you may achieve the airline may achieve break even load factor but of if the 80 seats sold are at a very low price then the airline will not uh, achieve the belt there because if you subsidize your fare or if you give too many discounts and then carry more number of passengers that does not mean that you are earning revenue sufficient enough to cover your costs so you must have clearly understood the concept okay underline what i told you okay since revenue and costs vary from one airline to another so does the break even load factor okay escalating cost push up the break even load factor now when uh, costs are getting higher and higher the low break even load factor also goes up for example uh, if the high, higher the cost uh, earlier if you had met the cost by carrying 70 passengers because there is an incremental increase in the cost now you need to carry 90 passengers to cover the cost of operation okay so while increasing prices for airline services have the just opposite effect pushing it lower overall the break even load factor for the industry in recent years has been approximately 66% this is an average cancel i mean calculation it is a type of uh, uh, an average assumption average calculation based on uh, overall industry that approximately 66% uh, you have to carry to uh, attain 
or to reach the break-even load factor point. That is, suppose you have 100 seats on the aircraft, you need to carry 66 passengers. But this is only a uh, averaging. This is only a uh, just an estimation, but it differs from airline to airline and it differs from type of fares charged and yield earned from each passenger. Okay. Airlines uh, typically operate very close to their break-even load factor. The sale of just one or two more seats on each flight can mean the difference between profit and loss for an airline. Yes, that is, the airlines are now, uh, as we learned in the earlier uh, paragraphs, uh, earlier page, thin profit margins. You must have learned that thin profit margins. Airlines operating on very thin profit margins. So, uh, even if they achieve uh, the break-even load factor, that is, even if they manage to carry uh, the number of passengers required to cover its costs, like for example, on a 140-seater, you manage to carry about uh, 80 passengers, then uh, you are almost just covering your costs. Whereas the 80 first passenger, 82nd passenger is profit for you. So, whatever after carrying the minimum number of passengers to meet the cost of operation, the any passenger in number carried above this level results in profit for the airline. So, airlines should aim at not only covering the belt but also increasing their sales so that they are able to carry a few more passengers above this level so that that becomes profit for them okay uh, so that is break-even load factor so kindly note all the points explained okay now we'll go to the next part of this lesson in the next voice clip thank you Okay, let us resume the lesson from the last part of 157 that is on seat configuration. Seat configuration, adding seats to an aircraft increases its revenue generating power without adding proportionately to its uh, costs. Okay, what is configuration? Configuration you must have already heard about it, economy class and business class. Some aircrafts are having all economy version some aircrafts are having um, both economy and business class and some aircrafts are having economy business and first class so you have single class configuration you have uh, twin class configuration and you have three class configuration so the larger the aircraft you will have more configurations but sometimes it suits the sector of operation also Okay, so adding seats to an aircraft increases its revenue generating power. Okay, when you have more seats in the flight, you will earn more revenue. And if you have a mix of seats, like both business class and economy, then on the business class segment, you earn more. So this is explaining that, the, however, the total number of seats aboard an aircraft depend on the uh, let's go to page 158 operates as marketing strategy okay 
okay so if low prices are what an airlines customers favor it will seek to maximize the number of seats to keep prices as low as possible so this is a perfect example um, where you have air india express uh, is operating on uh, various gulf sectors so it has got a single class configuration uh, single class only economy class configuration so uh, the passenger preference is for a low price and affordable price so naturally uh, the type of operation also has been restricted to single class configuration all the 180 seats are in economy class okay on the other hand a carrier with a strong following in the business community may opt for a large business class section with fewer larger seats because it knows that its business customers are willing to pay premium prices for the added comfort and workspace the key for most airlines is to strike the right balance to justify to satisfy its mix of customers and thereby maintain uh, profitability so typically on a metro sector what are the metro sectors on the trunk routes for example mumbai delhi or bangalore delhi or calcutta delhi or chennai calcutta or hyderabad calcutta or hyderabad chennai uh, or chennai uh, bangalore or any such sectors you have uh, uh, very high revenue passengers traveling like business customers who's uh, uh, who has got a very uh, great value for their time and they need more comfort and they make decisions in the last moment uh, they will buy a, a high high fare ticket flexible uh, class ticket and uh, they will want to have their personal space and comfort so such passengers do not um, care much for the price they are uh, paying but much more than that they need the comfort and uh, other facilities in the convenience and added facilities maybe internet connection and things like that okay so such uh, sectors on such op- flights operated on such sectors will be always having two class uh, configuration for example uh, economy and business class but on the long hauls like for example delhi chicago delhi new york delhi washington delhi san francisco and all that there will be one more class where the um, because of the long flying hours uh say 16 hours 17 hours or 15 hours and all that people want much more comfort so there is one more class uh, first class which provides more comfort with the flat beds and things like that okay now the next subheading is overbooking overbooking as you all know it's a practice of airlines booking more than their capacity so when the airlines find that historically there are some cancellations in the last minute and their capacity is not fully utilized by which they lose their revenue they always resort to it resort to this practice of overbooking okay let's read through airlines occasionally overbook flights meaning that they book more passengers for a flight than they have seats on the same flight okay 
the practice is rooted in careful analysis of historic demand for a flight economics and human behavior okay this, this is an established practice um, all over the world this practice is um, indulged in upon by the various airlines to avoid loss of revenue by having more number of no-shows who are no-shows passengers who make a confirmed booking and do not turn up at the airport without information if they turn up if they don't turn up with information the airlines can uh, cancel the seats and resell the seats whereas in the case of no-shows the seats cannot be resold because airline seat is a very high highly perishable commodity once the flight goes you cannot make any revenue on your unoccupied suites okay historically many travelers especially business travelers buying unrestricted full fare tickets have not traveled on the flights for which they have a reservation so passengers uh, business travelers you know because they are occupied all the time they will not have uh, time to cancel the flight uh, they their work will not be over so they decide in the last moment they decide okay I, instead of this evening flight i will fly tomorrow morning okay such passengers always buy high fare tickets so that the postponement uh, does not attract uh, much of a penalty or cancellation and perform uh, postponement is uh, uh, permitted and they don't lose the uh, full amount so such people always uh, tend to cancel their uh, reservations in the last moment changes in their own schedules may have made it necessary for them to take a different flight maybe with a different airline or to cancel their travel plans altogether often with little or no notice to the airline in such circumstances um, airlines tend to overbook some travelers unfortunately reserve seats on more than one flight so there are various behavior patterns that is why this flight has to be studied uh, in, on a historical basis regarding the demand pattern the economics and the human behavior the, if the people traveling are of a high profile nature all business people um, very busy people very high profile people have buying always uh, uh, the high ended fares flexible fares with provision for postponement and cancellation then you have to uh, expect a certain amount of no-shows also that many of them may not turn up as booked as planned so take care of this loss of revenue airlines uh, will have this practice of overbooking so that airline revenue is protected both airlines and customers are advantaged when airlines sell all the seats for which they have received reservations okay 155 sold 155 reported traveled it is a very good situation but always doesn't happen so an airline's inventory is comprised of the seats that it has to it has on each flight if a customer does not fly on the flight which he or she has a reservation his or her seat is unused and cannot be returned to inventory for future use as in other industries this part is very important you can underline that this undermines the productivity of an airline's operations it is increasing productivity of course that contribute contributes to lower airfares and expand service 
expanded service. Consequently, airlines sometimes overbook flights. The logic behind airlines overbooking the flights is given, explained in the paragraph. It probably you must have clearly understood it by now. Okay. Importantly for travelers, airlines do not overbook haphazardly. Okay. The question is, can an airline um, book overbook a flight without any rules or regulation, without any logical background or without a uh, without properly studying the behavior pattern of the flight, behavior pattern of the passengers traveling on that particular flight? No. They examine the history of particular flights in the process determining how many no-shows typically occur. When you really study a Bangalore Delhi flights, you can really arrive at a confirmation that even though 165 are booked, mostly only 150 passengers turn up. This is by history, this is by practice, this is by studying the pattern of the flight. Okay, And then decide how much to overbook that particular flight. So, uh, airlines will come to a conclusion that safely we can overbook the flight by another 10 seats. No problem will happen at the airport. We will be able to accommodate all the overbooked passengers against the cancellation, against the no-shows. The goal is to have the overbooking match the number of no-shows. That's very important. Just underline that the goal, the intention or the uh, the purpose is to have the overbooking match the number of no-shows. In most cases, the practice works out effectively. Occasionally, however, when more people show up for a flight, then there are seats available. For example, 150-seat uh, aircraft, uh, airlines uh, have calculatedly overbooked the flight to 160. There are 10 uh, seats extra. Sometimes 10 cancellations will be there, it will be matched with the cancellation and airport will have no problem. Sometimes uh, 155 people uh, turn up. So how many excess are there? Capacity is 150. Instead of airline is booked to 160, the number of turned up passengers is 155. So there are 5 people standing at the airport counter without getting a seat. In this case, what will the airline do? So, in most cases, the practice works out effectively. Occasionally, however, when more people show up for a flight, then there are seats available. Airlines offer incentives. Airlines are forced to offer some incentives to get people to give up their seats. Somehow, they have to convince. There's a lot of uh, convincing has to take place. Passengers to, has to be consoled. They have to be given facilities, they have to be given extra incentives to give up their seats. Okay, Passengers will have a lot of inconvenience because they come all the way to the airport having prepared to fly and on arrival they find out their seat is not there, then it's difficult to handle those passengers. Okay, So airlines have various methodologies by which they will be um, satisfying those passengers, uh, those agitated passengers by way of free tickets have the usual incentive. Those volunteering are booked on another flight. Some people will say, we, we will give you hotel accommodation. Can you go by the tomorrow morning's flight? Then they'll say, okay, no problem. Give me a good seat on that flight or give me an upgradation on that flight. Then they will agree. Similarly, some people will say, okay, now get me a seat on this particular flight. 
so maybe so many and i will not pay for that and i want to carry 10 kilos of excess baggage and i will not pay for that so airlines will have to agree given to such demands okay normally there are more volunteers than the airline need but then there are not enough volunteers airlines must bump passengers involuntarily sometimes voluntarily suppose one family says okay we don't mind if we will stay one more day here you arrange some sightseeing tour for us we will go tomorrow so this is kind of volunteering so this kind of volunteering doesn't happen then airlines will have to give compensation so the first offer is uh, incentive or putting them on another flight giving a free ticket if all these things don't work in the rare cases where this occurs federal regulations require the airlines to compensate passengers for their trouble and help them make alternative travel arrangements the amount of compensation is determined by government regulation so this part we have to study in our uh, lessons coming later so we will uh, deal with it in detail what are the types of compensation um, offered to passengers and uh, difficulty due to various uh, things at the airport delayed disrupted flights cancelled flights and also overbooked flights so this overbooking is a particular uh, practice followed by all the airlines basically not to uh, lose their high value uh, seats and to increase productivity on a busy sector okay now we'll stop here and go to the last part that is the fourth part of this audio clip of the lesson thank you okay now we'll go to the last part of the uh, chapter uh, it starts from below page 158 pricing okay so earlier we have covered uh, uh, break even load factor seat configuration and overbooking now comes pricing pricing is nothing but the fixing of airline fares okay since deregulation deregulation is a release of control from the government uh, dictated fares all the airlines have had the same pricing freedom as companies in other um, industries earlier in the 1990s the fares were regulated by the government and after this open sky policy various airlines came into existence and the pricing principles also changed the pricing under uh, principles underwent very radical um, changes now we had uh, discussed about dynamic pricing uh, flexible uh, pricing and uh, bucket fares and uh, earlier you book lesser you pay towards the uh, d minus 1 uh, of departure of the flight you pay a very high fare this kinds of uh, freedom for the various airlines to charge uh, accordingly uh, in in a way to maximize their revenue these are all uh, changes which came about as a part of the uh, deregulation that is nothing but uh, your freedom from regulations you are deregulated okay they set fares and freight rates in response of both customer demand that is the major change both the airline fares and the cargo fares were fixed or decided or calculated or published in response to 
both customer demand and the prices of competitors very important line please underline so what were the pricing what were the prices or what was the pricing based upon it was based upon customer demand when you have high demand you price high and the and the demand is low you price low and the prices of competitors and uh, even if there is a high demand if the competitor in the market can offer many seats there is no point in you are charging high so you have to match or you have to be giving uh, fares which are equally competitive uh, like the competitor so these are all the major changes which came came about as a result of competition as a result fares change please underline that sentence as a result fares change much more rapidly than they used to okay very often this uh, in the earlier part of the lesson on the previous chapter we said you know we cannot predict what is the fare going to be because the fares are changing rapidly and passengers sitting in the same section on the same flight often are paying different prices for their seats the logic behind that phenomenon the logic behind that practice also we explained how such a situation occurs this we have explained in the earlier lesson although this may be difficult to understand for some travelers it makes perfect sense considering that a seat on a particular flight is of different value to different people please underline this sentence also okay for me a seat uh, uh, in the month of uh, september going from calicut to chennai on a vacation or for a function is of a uh, very um, ordinary type of importance a minimal type of importance okay <coughs> it's not very very urgent or it's not an emergency situation that i should travel on that particular day whereas a passenger decide to travel on the same day for a job interview at chennai will have a very high importance for his need for travel that is why it is said that a seat on a particular flight is of different value to different people <coughs> please underline this sentence also it is far more valuable for instance to a sales person who suddenly has an opportunity to visit an important client than it is to someone contemplating a visit to a friend same thing what i explained the pleasure traveler likely will make the trip only if the fare is relatively low the pleasure traveler is a traveler who enjoys flying for vacation and a pleasure trip eh, for enjoying his leisure the sales person on the other hand <coughs> likely will pay a higher premium in order to make the appointment because he is expecting some big future business from that client for the airlines the chief objective in setting fares is to maximize the revenue from each flight okay as far as the airlines are concerned they should earn the best possible revenue maximize or increase the revenue from each flight each seat by offering the right mix of full fare tickets and various discounted tickets too little discounting in the face of weak demand for the flight 
and the plane will leave the ground with a large number of empty seats. If you don't give and there is no demand and the demand is very weak for the flight, if you don't discount, the plane will leave the ground with a large number of empty seats. Now empty seats we have discussed are no good for any airline because those seats have lost their saleability. It's, they are perishable, they have perished which cannot be reutilized. Okay. And revenue generating possible opportunities will be lost forever. This also we explained earlier. On the other hand, too much discounting can sell out a flight far in advance and preclude the airline from booking last minute passengers that might be willing to pay higher fares. Another lost revenue opportunity. This is also a very clear loss of revenue opportunity where if you discount all the seats well in advance then you are losing an opportunity to sell at a higher fare when demands rise okay the process of finding the right mix of fares for each flight is called yield inventory or revenue management very important sentence please underline the process of finding the right mix of fares for each flight is called yield inventory or revenue management inventory is nothing but the number of seats available for sale okay <coughs> it is a complex process requiring sophisticated computer software that helps an airline estimate the demand for seats on a particular flight so it can price the seats accordingly and it is an ongoing process requiring continual adjustments as market conditions change. Unexpected discounting in a particular market by a competitor for instance can leave an airline with too many unsold seats if they do not match the discounts. So we hope it is clear to you. Okay then we will go to the last part scheduling. Since deregulation airlines have been free to serve whatever domestic markets they feel warrant their service then they adjust their schedule often in response to market opportunities and competitive pressures. Along with price, schedule is an important consideration for air travelers. For business travelers, schedule is often more important than price. Please underline that sentence. As I told you in the earlier sense also, <coughs> if you have an evening flight or if you have a day return flight, if you have flight in the morning as well as evening, that scheduling is of very much importance to passengers. Business travelers like to see alternative flights they make, they may take on the same airline if for instance a meeting runs longer or shorter than they anticipate. A carrier that has several flights a day between two cities has a competitive advantage over carriers that serve the market less frequently or less directly. Suppose you have shuttle services like 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock or at least 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock. That airline stands to advantage because their passenger if he cannot fly on a particular flight immediately will change over to the next flight. Okay. Airlines establish their schedules in accordance with demand for their services and their marketing objectives. Scheduling however can be extraordinarily complex and must take into account aircrafts and crew availability, maintenance needs and airport operating restrictions. Okay. Another important sentence you can underline, contrary to popular myth, airlines do not cancel flights because they have too few passengers for the flight. 
okay just because the booking is very low airlines will not cancel the flights the nature of scheduled service is such that aircraft move throughout an airline system during the course of each day okay uh, the nature of scheduled service is such that aircraft move throughout an airline system during the course of each day a flight cancellation at one point one airport therefore means the airline will be short an aircraft some place else later in the day and another flight will have to be cancelled if an airline must cancel a flight because of a mechanical problem it may choose to cancel the flight with the fewest number of passengers and utilize that aircraft for a flight with more passengers while it may appear to be a cancellation for economic reasons it is not the substitution was made in order to inconvenience the fewest number of passengers okay irrespective of the number of passengers booked whether it is few or more airline needs to operate because airline cannot keep an aircraft at a fixed place it has to make the available aircraft available at the next destination for other services for onward service for return service or service to other destinations so airlines will never cancel flights just because there are only few passengers they may cancel the flights for a mechanical reason so that is what is being explained in this paragraph so just because an airline cancels Uh, airline is at a disadvantage if the, that aircraft will remain there it cannot be taken to the destination for operation of other uh, routes as scheduled so if such thing happens the network suffers the network schedule is affected which will result in more revenue loss to the airline which airlines will never resort to okay last part on page 160 of this chapter 23 is fleet planning fleet i is told you is a collection of aircrafts various types of aircrafts uh, <coughs> which an airline has like boeing airbus and and other type of aircrafts selecting the right aircraft for the markets an airline wants to serve is vitally important to its financial success so where the demand is less there is no point in putting a bigger aircraft suppose on the kolikode chennai route the normal demand is 40 seats or 50 seats you may put as aircraft worth 66 or 70 seats but it is highly uh, foolish to put an aircraft uh, having about 150 seats on this route because you will end up in making loss so selecting the right aircraft for the market an airline wants to service vitally important to its financial success as a result the selection and purchase of new aircraft is usually directed by the airline's top officials although it involves personnel from many other divisions such as maintenance and engineering finance marketing and flight operation so purchase of aircraft for airline is a integrated effort it is a joint well coordinated effort between all departments the commercial department the engineering department finance department marketing and operations department they all sit together and discuss and decide what type of aircraft they have to add to the fleet 
there are numerous factors to consider when planning new aircraft purchases beginning with the composition of an airline's existing fleet okay if you have all air airbus and then suddenly when you add boeing to your fleet then you will have you will need skilled manpower because if you had one more airbus you will have people to fly but if you add a different type of aircraft then you need people also to man the aircraft do existing aircraft need to be replaced what plan what plans does the airline have to expand service how much fuel do they burn per mile how much are maintenance costs and how many people are needed to fly them these are the types of question that must be answered so a detailed analytical study has to be made before the decision to purchase any aircraft is taken and it is taken at a very high level okay in general newer aircrafts are more efficient and cost less to operate than older aircrafts newer aircrafts always are more efficient maybe fuel efficient and uh, cost efficient and having uh, more uh, load capacity uh, so having such advantages a boeing 727 for example is less fuel efficient than the 757 that boeing designed to replace it in addition the largest 757 requires only a two person flight crew versus three for the 727 as planes get older maintenance costs also can rise appreciably so you need to have a very detailed analytical uh, analysis and study while you are selecting the uh, new fleet new aircrafts for your existing fleet it has to be a joint effort by the uh, technical and non technical commercial and operational team at a very high level okay that's the end of this lesson see you in the next chapter thank you